Chapter Eighteen of Mary Marston. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mary Marston by George MacDonald. Chapter Eighteen. Mary and Godfrey. Everything went tolerably so far as concerned the world of talk in the matter of Letty's misfortunes. Rumour, it is true, and more than one of them strange enough did for a time go floating about the country but none of them came to the ears of tom or mary and letty was safe from hearing anything and the engagement between her and tom soon became generally known mrs helmer was very angry and did all she could to make tom break it off it was so much below him but in nothing could the folly of the woman have been more apparent than in her fancying with the experience of her life before her that any opposition of hers could be effectual otherwise than to the confirmation of her son's will so short-sighted was she as to originate most of the reports to letty's disadvantage but tom's behaviour on the other hand was strong to put them down for the man is seldom found so faithful where such reports are facts mrs wardour took care to say nothing unkind of letty she was of her own family and besides not only was tom a better match than she could have expected for her but she was more than satisfied to have godfrey's dangerous toy thus drawn away beyond his reach as soon as ever the doctor gave his permission she went to see her but although dismayed at the sight of her suffering face she did not utter one unkind word her visit was so plainly injurious in its effects that it was long before mary would consent to a repetition of it letty's recovery was very slow the spring was close at hand before the bloom began to reappear and then it was but fitfully in letty's cheek neither her gaiety nor her usual excess of timorousness returned a certain sad seriousness had taken the place of both and she seemed to look out from deeper eyes i cannot think that letty had begun to perceive that there actually is a nature shaping us to its own ends but i think she had begun to feel that mary lived in the conscious presence of such a power to tom she behaved very sweetly but more like a tender sister than a lover and mary began to doubt whether her heart was altogether tom's from mention of approaching marriage she turned with a nervous uneasy haste had the insight which the forced calmness of suffering sometimes brings opened her eyes to anything in tom the doubt filled mary with anxiety she thought and thought until delicate matter as it was to meddle with and small encouragement as godfrey wardour had given her to expect sympathy she yet made up her mind to speak to him on the subject and the rather that she was troubled at the unworthiness of his behaviour to letty gladly would she have let him treat her with the generosity essential to the idea she had formed of him she went therefore one sunday evening to thornwick and requested to see mr wardour it was plainly an unwilling interview he granted her but she was not thereby deterred from opening her mind to him i fear mr wardour she said i come altogether without authority but i fear letty has been rather hurried in her engagement with mr helmer i think she dreads being married at least so soon you would have her break it off said godfrey with cold restraint no no certainly not replied mary that would be unjust to mr helmer but the thing was so hastened indeed hurried by that unhappy accident that she had scarcely time to know her own mind miss marston 
answered Godfrey severely. It is her own fault, all and entirely her own fault. But surely, said Mary, it will not do for us to insist upon desert. That is not how we are treated ourselves. Is it not? returned Godfrey angrily. My experience is different. I am sure my faults have come back upon me pretty sharply. She must marry the fellow, or her character is gone. I am unwilling to grant that, Mr. Wardour. It was wrong in her to have anything to say to Mr. Helmer without your knowledge, and a foolish thing to meet him as she did. But Letty is a good girl, and you know country ways are old-fashioned, and in itself there is nothing wicked in having a talk with a young man after dark. You speak, I dare say, as such things are regarded in certain strata of society, returned Godfrey coldly but such views do not hold in that to which either of them belongs seems to me a pity they should not then said mary i know nothing of such matters but surely young people should have opportunities of understanding each other anyhow marriage is a heavy penalty to pay for such an indiscretion a girl might like a young man well enough to enjoy a talk with him now and then and yet find it hard to marry him did you come here to dispute social customs with me miss marston said godfrey i am not prepared nor indeed sufficiently interested to discuss them with you well i will come to the point at once answered mary who although speaking so collectedly was much frightened at her own boldness godfrey seemed from his knowledge so far above her and she owed him so much would it not be possible for letty to return here then the thing might take its natural course and tom and she know each other better before they did what was irrevocable they are little better than children now the thing is absolutely impossible said godfrey and haughtily rose from his chair like one in authority ending an interview but he added you have been put to great expense for the foolish girl and when she leaves you i desire you will let me know thank you mr wardour said mary who had risen also as you have now given a turn to the conversation which is not in the least interesting to me i wish you a good evening with the words she left the room he had made her angry at last she trembled so that the instant she was out of sight of the house she had to sit down for dread of falling godfrey remained in the room where she left him full of indignation ever since that frightful waking he had brooded over the injury the insult he counted it which Letty had heaped upon him. A great tenderness towards her, to himself unknown, and of his own will unbegotten, remained in his spirit. When he passed the door of her room, returning from that terrible ride, he locked it and put the key in his pocket. And from that day no one entered the chamber. But had he loved Letty as purely as he had loved her selfishly, he would have listened to Mary pleading in her behalf and would have thought first about her well-being not her character in the eyes of the world he would have seen also that while the breath of the world's opinion is a mockery in counterpoise with life of broken interest and the society of an unworthy husband the mere fact of his mother's receiving her again at thornwick would of itself be enough to re-establish her position in the face of all gainsayers but in godfrey wardour love and pride went hand in hand not for a moment would he will to love a girl capable of being interested, if nothing more, in Tom Helmer. It must be allowed, however, 
that it would have been a terrible torture to see letty about the place to pass her on the stair to come upon her in the garden to sit with her in the room and know all the time that it was the test of tom's worth and her constancy even were she to give up tom satisfied that she did not love him she could be nothing more to him even in the relation in which she had allowed her to think she stood to him she had behaved too deceitfully too heartlessly too ungratefully too vulgarly for that yet was his heart torn every time the vision of the gentle girl rose before that inward eye which for long could no more be to him the bliss of solitude when he saw those hazel depths looking half anxious half sorrowful in his face as with sadly comic sense of her stupidity she listened while he explained or read something he loved but no nothing else would do than act the mere honest guardian compelling them to marry no matter how slight or transient the shadow of the man had cast over her reputation mary returned with a sense of utter failure but before long she came to the conclusion that all was right between tom and letty and that the cause of her anxiety had merely lain in letty's loss of animal spirits now and then mary tried to turn tom's attention a little towards the duty of religion tom received the attempt with gentle amusement and a little bandinage it was all very well for girls indeed he had made the observation that girls who had no religion were strong-minded and that he could not endure like most men he was so well satisfied with himself that he saw no occasion to take trouble to be anything better than he was never suspecting what a noble creature he was meant to be he never saw what a poor creature he was in his own eyes he was a man any girl might be proud to marry he had not yet however sunk to the depth of those who having caught a glimpse of nobility confess wretchedness excuse it and decline to allow that the noble they see they are bound to be or worse still perhaps admit the obligation but move no inch to fulfil it it seems to me that such must one day make acquaintance with essential misery a thing of which they have no conception day after day tom passed through turnbull and marston's shop to see letty tom cared for nobody elsie would have gone in by the kitchen door which was the only other entrance to the house but i do not know whether it is a pity or not that he did not hear the remarks which rose like dust of his passage behind him in the same little sitting-room where for so many years mary had listened to the slow tender wisdom of her father a clever young man was now making love to an ignorant girl whom he did not half understand or half appreciate all the time he feeling himself the greater and wiser and more valuable of the two he was unaware however that he did feel so for he had never yet become conscious of any fact concerning himself the whole turnbull family from the beginning of things self-constituted judges of the two marstons were not the less critical of the daughter that the father had been taken from her there was grumbling in the shop every time she ran up to see letty every one regarding her and speaking of her as a servant neglecting her duty yet all knew well enough that she was co-proprietor of business and stock and the elder turnbull knew besides that if the lawyer to whose care william marston had committed his daughter were at that moment to go into the affairs of the partnership he would find that mary had a much larger amount of money actually in the business than he of all matters connected with the business except those of her own department mary was ignorant her father had never neglected his duty but he had so far neglected what the world calls a man's interests 
as to leave his affairs much too exclusively in the hands of his partner he had been too much interested in life itself to look sharply after anything less than life he acknowledged no worldly interests at all either god cared for his interests or he himself did not whether he might not have been more attentive to the state of his affairs without danger of deeper loss i do not care to examine or determine the result of his life in the world was a grand success now mary's feeling and judgment in regard to the things being identical with her father's turnbull instructed by his greed both natural and acquired argued thus unconsciously almost but not the less argued that what mary valued so little and he valued so much must by necessary deduction be more his than hers and logically ought to be legally so servants begin to steal arguing that such and such things are only lying about and no one cares for them but turnbull knowing that notwithstanding the reason on his side it was not safe to act on such a conclusion had for some time felt no little anxiety to secure himself from investigation and possible disaster by the marriage of mary to his son george tom helmer had now to learn that by his father's will made doubtless under the influence of his mother he was to have but a small annuity so long as she lived upon this he determined nevertheless to marry confident in his literary faculty which he never doubted would soon raise it to a very sufficient income nor did mary attempt to dissuade him for what could be better for a disposition like his than care for the things of this life occasioned by the needs of others dependent upon him besides there seemed to be nothing else now possible for letty so in the early summer they were married no relative present except mrs wardour mrs helmer and godfrey having both declined their invitation and no friend except mary for bridesmaid and mr pycroft a school and college friend of tom's who was now making a bohemian livelihood in london by writing for the weekly press as he called certain journals of no high standing for groomsman after the ceremony and a breakfast provided by mary the young couple took the train for london end of chapter eighteen mary and godfrey recording by maria brooke new zealand